Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hey, hey, episode 349, Kurt Morrison here. This is Maximize Your Influence. Welcome, Maximizers, as we take some time to learn how to persuade, negotiate, influence, self-persuade, and get others to want to do what we want them to do and like doing it. Become a little more charismatic, a little more influential. That's the goal because there's a direct correlation between your income, your upward mobility, your success, your relationships, and your ability to influence. Today, we're going to take a dive into what is one of those unknown characteristics of top persuaders, top salespeople, something we don't think about a lot of times. We're going to go into a blinja, which is a blunder and a ninja, all together, all wrapped in one, and of course, your weekly geeky scholarly article. Want to make sure you're achieving your goals, they're written down, you're working a little bit over time, you're keeping the score. That's a big, huge piece in your success is to keep the score. For example, if it's losing weight, I don't care what it is day by day, but week by week, we need to take a look at that. Maybe you're going to keep the score day by day. It could be income, whatever it is, you have to keep the score. And the key here, and this is the most important thing that most people forget in the world of success, it's all about the upward trend. What do I mean by that? Well, upward trend in a stock market is that most of the time it's going up. There's some up days, there's some down days, but overall, the trend is going up. And that's true for weight loss, success, wealth, whatever you're working on. Look for the upward trend. That's why you have to keep the score. Get on the scale. Keep your own personal balance sheet. Know what it takes to win. So let's dive into that article. Everything I teach you is based on science. Of course, persuasion is an art and a science, but you have to understand a little bit of both. This is brought to you by JAMA Psychiatry Journal, the National Institute of Mental Health, John Hopkins, and Bloomberg School of Public Health. And of course, the link is at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also the spot to find your free Persuasion IQ assessment. See where you rank. See what you know. It's not sugar-coated. The free book, the new edition of the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. It's free. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. And of course, there's a link to InfluenceUniversity.com, which of course is the advanced training. Since we only have time to hit the basics on this podcast. This article is titled, Moving Around May Improve Your Mood. Now, we've talked a lot about mood. In fact, I've done a whole podcast on how mood matters. Basically, the study shows when people are in a bad mood, they recall bad things, why they don't like you, why it's not going to work out, why they shouldn't do business with you. But when they're in a good mood, they recall good things, why it'll work out, and they forecast more into the future. Now, the other side of this is your personal mood. When you're in a bad mood and put on that fake smile and pretend everything's okay, ah, they don't necessarily think, oh, yeah, they're in a bad mood. It just doesn't feel right. It's a bad subconscious trigger. comes across in your demeanor and what's called your micro-expressions in your face. Those things can really detract from your ability to persuade and influence. So this study found that increasing your physical activity is an effective way to boost your mood, get in a better mood. Now, we're all different here. Let me add to this. Obviously, physical activity and exercise changes your mood, changes your health, changes your demeanor. But not everyone's the same. Some people, it might be just a walk. Some people, it's sunshine. Some people, it's healthy eating. Some people, it's music. Some people, it's meditation. Some people, it's prayer. Some people, it's associating with positive people. You've got to decide here. 
And the key thing here is to know when you're in a bad mood and adjust it. And whatever works for you, I'm good with that, but you have to adjust it. This study talks about physical activity. And they found, and this is kind of a duh factor here, that when you had physical activity, and that could be anything from walking to exercise to lifting weights to doing something. we got to be doing something. Because when you're not right physically, you can't be right mentally. So when you do a little physical activity, it increases your mood and, this is what's interesting, perceived energy level. We obviously know that it helps your energy level, but it talks about perceived energy level. And what's interesting is that the participants rated their mood from very happy on a seven-point scale to very sad, to very tired, seven-point scale to very energetic for the energy. And the study found that a lot of people studied sleep and mood and everything together, but this just did it independently. And the study found that on average, a higher activity of movement, of exercise, of doing something improved your mood. And you had an increased perception of energy during the day. Now, I'm sure you had more energy, but it was also the perception of energy. Then they looked at sleep. And of course, another duh factor here is that the lack of sleep could hurt mood and the willingness to exercise. But when you had enough sleep, it also changed your mood and gave you greater desire to exercise. So not a lot of great insight in this study, but it does kind of put a exclamation point on mood, on exercise, on sleep. On the bottom line, if you want to be a great influencer, you have to be able to persuade yourself. And you can't persuade yourself unless you're sleeping, you're in the right mood, you're in the right state. That makes all the difference in the world. In fact, one study I read recently said that when you feel influential, you are more influential. And that's a function of your state. Again, energy, sleep, and mood. So think about it. Self-persuasion, mindset, the inner psyche is one of the most important things you can work on. It's the one thing everyone tends to work on last, but it's one of the most important things. And that brings us to this week's Belinja, which is a combination blunder, mistake, and ninja, persuasion ninja. So I'm doing some work on the house. Why not? Extra time, virus time. It's crazy when you go to the home improvement stores how crowded it is, number one, and they're out of most things because people are just doing this. It's not just me, other people, and I want to do a lot of this for myself, but some of these things you want to outsource, like some of the plumbing, maybe some of the electrical. I like to do a lot of it on my own. I'll figure it out, but this time I was getting some bids on some plumbing, on some electrical. Some of it I was doing my own. Some of it like, mm, I don't know if I'm qualified for that. Maybe you need a little education or license for that. So I had some people coming and giving bids. And there was a variety of blunders, mistakes that were made, and a variety of great things that were done. So this is probably between 10 different people. But let me just talk about this. And this is true not only for people that come to your home that do this type of work, but this is true with any type of business, any type of face-to-face interaction. Let's talk about the blunders. So a person rings the doorbell, comes in, and says, we've met. I know you. I've seen you before. I'm like, I don't think so. It could be true. I don't think so. I think he was just making it up, just trying to... Build that fake rapport, getting a little too friendly too fast, did not work, had the opposite effect. Then when I told him about my idea, what I wanted to do, and of course that was a bad idea, I discounted my idea, blow to my self-esteem, come on, my ideas are good ideas, but he said, no, that's a bad idea, you didn't think it through, that could be true, I'll own up to that, but that's not the way you handle that. Anytime you hurt someone's self-esteem, it hurts your ability to persuade, you boost it, of course it enhances it, we've talked about that. In fact, that's one of the 12 laws of persuasion, law of esteem and maximum influence. 
check it out. Here's one. I let them have a little time to check it out. They want to do some measuring. And then I overheard a call for help. I don't know. What would you do? What do you think? I'm not sure about this. Could you do this? Hello? If I'm going to hire an expert, I want an expert. Now, if you're going to make a phone call, don't let anybody hear it. Just like the doctor that says, I don't know. Let me Google. Let me see. I'm not sure. You're like, dude, you're the expert. You should know. Now, on the other side, doctors don't know everything. I get that. But if you're going to Google something, you don't do it in front of a patient. If you're going to look up a medication or a symptom, do not do it in front of a patient. It's true with your business. If you're going to be the expert, act like the expert. There's a time and place to ask for help and ideas, but not in this instant. Then another one came in and only had one solution, one idea, one thought. There's only one way to do it. When I've already had other people give me different solutions and different ideas, that hurt their credibility. What I found out later, and I got a sense as I asked question, it was the only way they knew how to do it. They didn't have any other solutions, any ideas. So their idea, the only way they knew how to do it was the best idea, didn't hire them. And of course, some of them I just sense incompetence. They were new. They didn't know what to do. They weren't sure. They felt uncomfortable making a bid. Oh, I'll have to find out. I'll email it to you, which again, time and place for that. But that hurt credibility. Then I had someone, again, we're still in the blunders here. There were no questions. They just launch into what needs to happen. Now, that's good, but still, just like a doctor. When you go to a doctor or a lawyer, you need them to ask them questions. What's going on? What's happening? Ask the questions to find out, to make sure they know your pain. Even if they know the answer to what you need to do, they still need to ask the questions. We've talked about this before. When you go to a doctor's office and the nurse takes your vitals and leaves and the doctor comes in, stands in the doorway and says, yeah, I know what you have, prescriptions at the front desk. It's going around. Good to see you. And they shut the door. Let's assume they've solved your problem. They've saved you 10 minutes of time. You're still upset. You still need to talk. And that's what needed to happen here. And of course, the late arrival. I'm coming at 9 and they come at 9.30. They come at 10. Really? Now I get it. Sometimes we're late. But if you're going to be late, at least a text, a phone call. I'm a little running a little late. Is that okay? Can I come by a little later? When you show up late with no warning, oh, you're off my list. I cross you off right away. Then there's this one person, very negative, very pessimistic. They kind of suck the life out of you. Everything's wrong. How life is bad. The pandemic, what's going on? This is terrible. I'm like, okay, that's probably true, but I don't need you to reiterate it and talk about it. Give me a little optimism. Give me something that I can hold on to. There's one person says, well, I'm not sure. There's nothing I can do. We'll just have to get in and see. I'm not sure. Come on. I need a little confidence, number one. Number two, we all know that a guarantee is going to double and triple your business. I guarantee I can do this. I guarantee it can work. I'm going to give you a warranty. Whatever it is, that makes a big difference. This person wasn't even willing to do that. Then I had the ADD vomiter that was just bouncing all over the place. It was like watching hyper ping pong. Now, I probably have a little ADD in me too, but a little too much all over the place. They were experienced. They probably had 40 years experience, but they were all over the map, just vomiting about every little thing. Things that didn't even matter. Things that gave me objections. And when you vomit or throw those persuasion darts, you give people objections. He brought up things I hadn't even thought about, I didn't think about, which gave me objections that put on the brakes that caused me like, oh, maybe I need to think about this a little bit more. Or the person that had their memorized elevator speech. Again, we talked about elevator speech last week on the podcast and the death of the elevator speech. This one was rehearsed, contrived, was not adapted to me. 
at minus 10 points. And of course, the famous, every time I had a concern or question, they would interrupt. They wouldn't let me finish. They would make me upset. That's just how it is. It's a subconscious trigger. And it's true for most humans is they just tend to interrupt when there's a question or objection they've heard before. They want to answer it. They want to get to it. It doesn't matter. When someone asks a question or has a concern or has an objection, let them finish, pause, then respond. That makes a huge difference. So those are the negative things I saw. Let's talk about the ninjas. The cool stuff I saw, the people that got my business, that got my money. First thing that helped was always the smile at the front door, friendly, good demeanor, good manners. And the people that would just automatically remove their shoes, and that wasn't a huge issue for me, but that was just polite, good manners. They obviously had respect for the home and the carpet, just removing their shoes. And some of them were wearing boots. It wasn't the easiest thing, but they did it out of just common courtesy. At least a lot of them just asked. If they asked, I would say it's no big deal, but at least they asked. Now, I talked about one of the blunders like, oh, we've met before, but this is a little bit different. This person knew we had a common friend, and that connected us. A common friend. We know each other. Builds credibility, builds trust. We know someone together. I'm like, wait a minute. And I know, I just feel, I sense they stalked me on Facebook or LinkedIn or someone to find out a common friend, a common name, and hey, 10 points. That's what people do. That's what HR departments do. That's what colleges do. That's what a lot of people do now is find out some common friends to drop a name. And hey, it took an extra five minutes, maybe three minutes, whatever it was, but at least they could drop that name. Another ninja is to teach something new. When they came in and taught me things and showed me things and demonstrated things, things I hadn't even thought of, different options I didn't even think of, problems that weren't even on my radar, ding, 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 you're the expert because that wasn't on my radar. And I've talked about this before. Teaching something new in the first four minutes dramatically increases your competence and credibility. Here's a fun one. This guy's like, oh yeah, the hunt starting. That takes 47 days. I'm not sure I have time in doing this. I'm like, oh, wait, can you do it next week? That type of thing. I didn't even know if I was going to use them, but it was a great takeaway. I'm not sure I have the time for this. Sometimes that's a great way to gauge interest. One thing I like too is people that say, hey, let's work together. Let's do it together. I'll teach you how to do it. I thought that was an awesome thing. Even though it might not be an option that I take, it's out there. Let's do it together. And that's something that can make a huge difference. And a couple of people want to take them out. Yeah, teach me how to do it. Let's work together. I'm cool with that. Because a lot of times we just assume what the person wants. For example, I was monitoring a timeshare company in Cancun, Mexico. And this is a great timeshare on the beach, the sand, the surf. It was beautiful. And also it had a yacht club to where you get a piece of the yacht. To when you come, you can take the yacht out. And I asked hey, can I drive the boat? Can I be the captain? And they're like, oh, no, no, you don't have to do that. We'll take care of all that. Just vomited the response. And if you back up a little bit, if you know me at all, you know I'm not a car person. I'm a boat person. And I would rather drive a yacht than slay in the sun and do all the things you do on a yacht. That's my thing. I love that. But of course, they shot me down right away. You don't have to do that. Because they assumed I didn't want to do that without asking the questions. They should have said, well, do you want to drive the yacht? Is that something that's important to you? They would have found my hot button, but instead they cut me off. Then I loved it too when they would give you cheaper options. In fact, I had one person says, yeah, you probably don't want to do this at all. Just get this, buy this, do this. It'll save you this amount of money. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And it kind of hurt them financially, but at least they gave me that option. And then another one I noticed, which I loved, is the fear. Yeah, bring on the fear. Well, you know, you could do it yourself, but it's not done right. It could cause a fire. But you know, if you do it this way, 
could flood your basement. This could happen. This could happen. Kind of put things into perspective. I love the ones that, hey, here's my license. I'm bonded. I have insurance. Just want to make sure there's other people out there that shouldn't be in the business. They just jump into it. They never have the education. They don't do it the right way. And if something happens, remember the fear, the fire, the flood, there's no recourse for you. And I love the ones that came and restated. So what you're saying is this, this is what you need, this is what you're doing. Yes. Then they solved it instead of assuming what I said was the correct thing. Because a lot of times with any prospect, what you say and what you mean can be two very different things. And then the ones that inoculated, well, I won't be the cheapest. But of course, you know, you get what you pay for. I'm like, I love that inoculation when you pre-solve any objections. Of course, on top of the list is the cheapest, but you say, right, no, I'm not the cheapest. I'm the best, but I'm not the cheapest. And of course, you get what you pay for. And I love that. And what was even better too, a handwritten note on the doorstep. Hey, thank you for letting me make an offer. I'd love to do business with you. A customized text, a little boost to your esteem, a little something, something to distinguish you from the competition. So kind of a long blingy today, but kind of a series of things that I noticed that anybody can use on the phone, face-to-face in any business to get more business, or if you want to do the blunder side, to lose more business. Now, I know that went a little long, but I still want to get into the Persuasion IQ question of the week. Oh, yeah. And here's the question. What is the number one characteristic that naturally found in great persuaders. Now, this is a characteristic that most people really don't gauge, and I secretly mentioned it earlier in the podcast to help you out to get the right answer here. So if you're going to choose a characteristic that most people don't know that's very important, that would be probably on the top of the list out of all these, would it be A, empathy, B, optimism, C, sympathy, D, congruence, E, vision. Now, if you're good at taking tests, you know that A and C, sympathy and empathy, are too similar. you got to cross those out. And the answer is going to be B, optimism. It's no secret that optimistic people live longer. They're more motivated. They perform better at tasks. They have better relationships. And they're more influential. And they're better at leadership. Studies show that time and time again. And when I was researching the book Persuasion IQ, I found that optimism and attitude, almost more than any factor, dictates your day-to-day success. We've talked about this before, that person that's so optimistic that you want to hit them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person that shows your problems are only temporary. Because an optimist, problems are temporary. A pessimist, they're permanent. There's no way out. So as an optimist, you attract people to your cause and it opens the doors to influence. And optimism is more than PMA. You know, that's positive mental attitude. It's more than sitting on the couch thinking, I'm the best and people like me. I'm wealthy. Things are going to work out. And I'm all for that. But you have to have an action plan. You can't just sit on the couch like it says in The Secret, the video if you've ever seen it. That's a form of delusion. When you sit on the couch thinking, I'm the best, I'm wealthy, checks will come in. Again, I'm for that. I love the PMA, but you need to have an action plan. See, optimism means you tend to see the positive in most situations. You're looking around the corners. You're not focusing on the negative. You're focusing on the positive. You're moving forward, and people will gravitate to you. You're excited to conquer these challenges. Sure, there's bumps in the road, but you're going to conquer it. You're going to win eventually in the long run. These positive feelings are contagious. It helps people believe in you and their future and their vision. Remember, with persuasion and influence, if people can't see themselves doing it mentally, it's not going to happen physically. That's where the optimism comes in. And optimists know that failure is going to happen. But when failure happens, they learn from it. They grow from it. Just because they fail doesn't make them a failure. They've learned. They've grown. A pessimist, oh, weakness, blame, failure, point fingers, not my fault. It'll never work out. That is the challenge. 
So if you're a pessimist, and it seems as we grow older, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, one of the geeky Scarlet articles, that as we get older, we do become a little more pessimistic. If you want the opposite, look at the people around you, get new friends, surround yourself with more optimistic people. Be aware that it's happening to you. Don't be so sensitive to criticism or be so concerned what other people think of you. Quit focusing on possible signs of setback or failure. Look on the positive side, what's going right. Keep the score like I talked about earlier. And always try to look for what's going right versus what's going wrong. So when you're feeling down, you're feeling pessimistic, you're feeling low, be aware of that and have a game plan. Give back, serve someone, visualize. Look at your vision board, look at your goals. Surround yourself with more optimistic people makes a huge difference. It'll do wonders for your optimism and your attitude. It's a real thing you need to think about. Especially now in the world, so negative, so pessimistic. People with hope, it's going to work out, it's going to be okay. That's what people want. That's one of the hidden pieces of Persuasion IQ, which is Persuasion IQ, of course, is the research on those that are very successful. Because it's interesting, when we look at Persuasion IQ, people with the same education, the same leads, the same type of territory, some's doing 10 times more than the other, whether they have the other person doesn't have, that was the research I did for Persuasion IQ. In fact, let me give you this special on the Persuasion IQ training. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com, click on this podcast, you will see it there. It'll make a huge difference on the traits and characteristics of top persuaders. Regardless, master the skill of influence, become a better leader, become more charismatic, learn how to do these things. This is a critical life skill. In fact, send me an email, Kurt, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com about what you think, your thoughts, Things you want to hear on this podcast, concerns, jokes, bad jokes, good jokes, persuasion blunders, persuasion enders. I want to hear what you think. So take at least one thing that you learned today, one aha, one takeaway. Consciously apply it in the next couple of days and go out and persuade with power.